630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, you know, it's going to be an interesting topic when uh, people start texting in before you even really get into it. I just teased it. Gavin texting to 630-630. He says, hey, Reed, sounds like the babysitter state has taken over in the Ontario Hockey League. I'm sure we'll get more feedback as we roll along. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. My name is Reed Wilkins. So I, here's the here's the summary in case you missed it. I know Bob was talking about this earlier on Oilers Now today as, as well. In the Ontario Hockey League, for the last few seasons, they've had a rule that if you accumulate uh, a player accumulates 10 fights in a season they get an automatic two-game suspension that has now been changed if you accumulate three fights in a season you get an automatic two-game suspension uh there, there are some different rules that if the other guy is the instigator it doesn't count against your your fighting total but still uh, you know some efforts here to certainly reduce and i think the long-term goal would be to eliminate fighting from the game it's always an interesting debate um, I, I know from having hosted this show for three years now, whenever you bring up a topic like this, there are always people who say, why is, there, why is there fighting? Why does the game need it? Hockey is fine without it. And then you get people on the other side who say, you know, fighting needs hockey. It's an aggressive physical game. Fighting is entertaining. And as much as one side tries to stereotype the other, uh, I don't find that, that that's the case. It's not a young, old, male, female player or you know former player or not former player issue i i think that it's just kind of an individual thing but i do want to talk about this with a guy who uh wasn't afraid to engage in some fisticuffs when he played in the western hockey league in the nhl and uh, he also played in europe i want to welcome to the show lance ward who was uh, a new jersey devil a florida panther a red deer rebel an anaheim duck Uh, lance how are you doing buddy I'm great. I'm great, Reed. Thanks for uh, thanks for the call today. I should clarify: drafted by the New Jersey Devils. I don't think you ever actually <laughs> played a game for them, but that's a, that's a whole other story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's another segment on its own. That's another topic. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, when you when you played for the Red Deer Rebels, you had a couple seasons over 200 penalty minutes. I, I checked your record on HockeyFights.com. 29 NHL fights in uh, in 209 games, and then we'll talk about some of the things that did or didn't happen when you played in Europe. First of all, just for you personally, that that role of sometimes having to enforce, were, were you did you always have that? Did you find yourself having it put on you by teammates and coaches, or, or where did it come from for you? Um. You know what? I would say uh, I absolutely did not have it in me when I when I first started playing junior hockey. I mean, I was, you know, I was a big guy. I was six foot three my first year playing as a sixteen year old in the Western League. But um, you know, I never had my first fight until my the very last game of the season as a sixteen year old. So um, it was very, um, it wasn't in me. I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't a, uh, <laughs> you know. It didn't come naturally to me to be, uh, you know, to start with, you know, and then that summer, uh, you know, the next season, things started going well for me and the draft hype started, um, things started hyping up about, you know, myself and some of the other players on our team and, you know, speaking with my agent and some scouts and, 
you know, I was told that, hey, a guy that has 20 fights and has 20 pen and has 20 points is highly coveted. You know, so now you're talking about the recruiting of, hey, just having 20 fights. They don't have to be, you know, they don't have to be the fanciest ones, but hey, 20 fights, 20 points, we'll get you drafted higher than, than a guy that, that doesn't fight at all. Okay. You know, obviously that was back in 1996. And so, you know, that's a long time ago, but, um, you know, I know there was guys that just had fights. You know, we talk, we would talk about it, and you would fight every, uh, you know, every every five or six games just to get a fight under your belt, and almost, you know, it was just an easy way to, you know, to accumulate one, I suppose. See that that's that's interesting, and it leads into my into my next question. And and you'll have an interesting perspective have, having having done this, and, and you know what it's like out there on the ice. Uh, I mean, there's always that argument that fighting is necessary in hockey. It, it keeps uh, stick work under control. It makes guys be more accountable. How do you answer the simple question, is fighting necessary uh, in hockey? Well, I think, uh, you know, my true belief is that, I don't know if I'd use the word necessary, but I do believe that it's uh, um, it's kind of the essence of the sport that, you know, that I grew up playing, you know, since I was 16 years old. And and it was, you know, there was there was different aspects to the game, and there was definitely skill, and there was definitely, um, you know, there was the, uh, you know, there was the system aspect of it and the team, uh, and then there was another aspect of intimidation and fear. And I mean, that part of the game has, you know, every year it seems to go down a little bit more and more in the other. You know, and the other skills that that players are are learning, or, or you know, the, the teachers and the coaches are teaching. You know, as far as the, you know, the personal skills, the individual skill set that these that the players have now are are becoming more highly highly coveted than the than the other piece. Um, you know, as far as trying to intimidate a player right now, I mean, boy, that is tough to do. Like, like you watch a junior hockey game, and no one's going out there and being a mouthpiece. Um, you know, it hardly happens anymore. Or the other thing is, everybody's a mouthpiece, and then no one has. There's no fear of uh, of any repercussions. So, you know, it puts the referees in a tough spot. Are we going to call everything tonight? Are we going to let a lot go? So, you know, I, I believe it is. You know, I don't know. I, I it was part of the game when I played, and it was. You know, I guess I recognize that it is disappearing, and I I believe. I mean, I've got four boys, and three of them play hockey, and. You know, they all love watching my fights on YouTube, and they love watching a junior fight as much as the next fan. But the reality is, as I tell them all the time, hey, if you ever play junior hockey, you're seven years away from it, and there is not going to be any fighting. So don't bother practicing. <laughs> I, my, my true belief is that there's enough steps uh, that people are taking, you know, that the, the governing bodies are taking and putting into place here that that it will, uh, it's disappearing slowly. I mean, I think what you're kind of saying in, in part of that last answer is, and this is what a lot of people say, there is that element to letting the players police themselves, right? If a guy's out of control, the ref can't always give him a penalty or, or make him stop melting off. But, uh, you know, some guys can say, okay, you're going to keep doing that. We're just going to fight, and you're probably not going to win if you're a little melty guy, like I probably would have been if I'd ever played. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember when I was in the Western Hockey League, it was... You know, I was a guy that would always match up against other teams' top lines or top players. And, I mean, it would be, you know, if I was playing against the, the top 
player on uh, Kootenai's team, I mean, first thing I would do is I, you know, I'd slash him as hard as I could in the wrist, try and find a bare spot. And if he came back at me, it was, it meant that he wanted to engage, but nobody would. And if they didn't have an enforcer on their team to come over and settle me down, things just got carried away. And that was the way that, that was the way that it worked back then. If you were going to be a tough guy, you had to actually, if I was going to slash the top player on the other team's play, the other team's uh, line, I needed to be prepared to, to face the consequences. Lance Ward joining us on Inside Sports as we talk about uh, the uh, Ontario Hockey League uh, latest rule. You accumulate three fighting majors in a season. You get an automatic two-game uh, two game suspension. So, I mean, this is the Ontario Hockey League. It, we don't want to write this off as all hockey uh, everywhere, but certainly we see, we see fewer and fewer fights. And you said you tell your boys, you know, don't worry about being a tough guy because if you play major junior in seven or eight years, it's probably. I mean, do you do you see an NHL one day, Lance, where a fight is so rare, or the penalty for a fight is so severe that they just they just don't happen? Boy, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess the question with the NHL is they they really haven't taken a stance on this. They've kind of tried to stay out of it. Um, you know, I know they talk about concussions and and all of that, but as far as the fighting aspect goes, I mean, outside of the instigator and. Um, you know, the NHL has kind of stayed, you know, by the sidelines and tried not to get too messy. But, you know, if you talk about, the, you know, Tier 2 Junior, the uh, the AJHL, and if you talk about, you know, the Ontario Hockey League, and, I mean, all of the junior leagues are, are uh, you know, taking measures to, to less fighting. I know that uh, the rest of the world, I mean, I, I played in Germany in the, in the uh, German Elite League. I played in Sweden in the Elite League over there four years uh, five years in total over there and i mean i'll be honest like the junior hockey in canada and, the, and pro hockey in north america is the only league that actually you know fighting is allowed i guess outside of the khl in russia so i should clarify that but right um i mean fighting is not allowed in i mean it's an automatic game uh misconduct in sweden um the same in germany i mean it's it's not questioned. I mean, it's that's the way it's always been, and I and I do feel like um, I feel like it's coming over here. Lance, I mean, you played uh, as you mentioned. You played in Sweden and Germany uh, for five seasons total after playing in the NHL. It, it, I mean, so the, the fighting is obviously different. Would you describe the overall physicality and aggressive mentality of the game different in Europe than in North America? Um, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, I truly believe the, you know, some of the stereotypes with the European players, I, I, I do believe to be true. And I think that that's why, um, you know, that's why North American players on a team over in Sweden are, are, are important. I guess my time over there, you know, being a, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, I spent four years in Sweden and I had, um, you know, realistically I had, three fights where my gloves came off in four years so um and each one of them was a was a suspension or a game misconduct so um you know things are pretty harsh but the reality is is i continued to have a job over there because it was it was something that's missing in that swedish elite league and again that's the balance of it's the balance of intimidation standing up for your teammates um you know having your players feel brave and secure on their team and um, you know, without having um, a plug on the ice that 
is uh, is a minus twenty player on a team and and is is only out there to fight. Right. You know, I think you see that in in most of the leagues now, especially junior and in the American League in the NHL. You know, your fourth line is not it's not littered with six foot nine, two hundred and fifty pound players that can't cross over and and you know they have to have a positive impact on the game of hockey, not just on that um, policing and intimidation side of things. Uh, I mean, did anybody ever tell you to back off at all in Sweden or Germany? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. We had uh, I had a meeting one day with our uh, our sports. Uh, well, he was our GM, I guess they call him sports chief over there, but. Um, you know, he reminded me that hockey is a game that is played in Sweden with uh, the morals of fair play and respect. And that's how he wanted me to proceed, you know, within that same breath, trying to play the way that I need to play. And then, um, you know, which is an interesting, which was interesting wording to me coming from, you know, a professional league in Sweden where, I mean, ultimately wins are the most important thing in any professional level. I mean, that's the job of any, uh, every club wants to win. They want to win championships. So, you know, I had a, I had a, I had a boss essentially. My GM was, was more, uh, you know, he was worried about me having not enough respect for the other players and, and wanted me to kind of tone it down. And it kind of got me laughing to, you know, <laughs> some of the people that I'd crossed paths with in the NHL and, you know, um, you know, I can't imagine Lou Lamorello when I was in New Jersey, or Mike Babcock when I was in Anaheim, or or Paul McLean when I was in Anaheim, saying "lads, fair play and respect, please." You know, like that is. Those are, although we do respect our opponents and we do honor the, uh, y- you know, the fair play code. Um, ultimately, they. I-, I can't imagine that coming out of someone's mouth and and, and reminding me after a game. So. Um, you know, there's been some things that, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's it's all it's just a different way that they that they play and that they uh, what they value over over in Sweden for sure. Well, that that's fascinating stuff, Lance. Hey, man, it's it's great to catch up with you again. Thanks for your perspective on this because because it is a unique one given your experience. And uh, I know you're doing some hockey academy stuff out in Lloydminster right now, so I hope that is going well. And I hope we're able to keep in touch, man. All right. Well, thanks, Reed. I appreciate the call. And, and yeah, for sure. Let me know if you ever need anything. Right on. That is Lance Ward checking in tonight. And, uh, yeah, I'm certainly, uh, I'm sure there are some uh, Red Deer Rebel fans listening in tonight recalling uh, Lance playing for the team in the uh, mid-'90s. And, uh, as he mentioned, you know, Florida, Anaheim, and then some stops in Germany and Sweden. And he certainly talked about the difference uh, being told in, in Sweden by his GM, fair play and respect. <laughs> I wonder how many NHL players have ever been pulled aside and said, remember fair play and respect before anything else. Uh, it is an interesting can of worms. So you want to chime in on anything Lance said or on what the OHL is doing or, or where you see the future of fighting in hockey in general, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. And uh, you can also tweet me at Reed Wilkins. Oh, and a couple people from uh, Red Deer uh, texting in right now saying they remember Lance. That's interesting stuff. Quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chad. Hey, this is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 
Yeah. All right, Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. It is 7:24. Eskimo show with Dave Campbell from 8 to 9. We just had Lance Ward on the show talking a little bit about uh, fighting. It's an interesting contrast be, uh, between the approach of uh, the North American game and the European game. And we have some open line time here with Brian. Hey, Brian, go ahead. Hey, how you doing tonight, Reed? Doing very well. Um, so I'm, I'm probably going to feel the wrath of uh, a lot of your fans again. Personally, you know, I, I feel fighting still has a place in the game. I mean, uh, I, I don't, I don't think you know we need to bring back like the uh, the Broad Street bullies, you know, barroom brawls on the ice anymore. But I, you know what I'd like to find out is if they've ever made any type of a study uh, personally and I, I don't know about you I mean I'm I'm 55 I mean I can remember the games of the 60s and 70s where nobody you know, wore a helmet right <laughs> and you very rarely heard about back injuries or concussions I mean I'm sure there were concussions out there but they just didn't seem to be quite as prominent as what they are now with everybody wearing a helmet Almost virtually every player has a visor, and you know, trying to take fighting out of the game, there there just seems to be a lot more dirty hits. I mean, you you know, even the, the days of the '80s, you you messed with Gretzky, you messed you know with Messier, you messed with Anderson, you messed with the rest of the team, you know, and the, the players policed themselves because long and short of it, the the referees. I mean, how many times have we seen it, whether it's regular season, whether it's the playoffs? They bring in a whole bunch of new rules. The first maybe 20 games, they follow the rules to a T. Right. And then they swallow the whistle. Yeah. The first part of the playoffs, again, same thing. They follow the rules to the T, and by the time the second round comes around, the whistle's disappeared. And then you'll get... You know, situations where, uh, I mean, and it's probably a totally different uh, uh, topic, but, you know, they'll bring in stupid rules just because somebody's got a a potent power play and people are taking stupid penalties against them. Well, if you take a stupid penalty, it's your fault. Right. (laughs) Well, But but the thing is, you know, if you're going to call the game properly the way it should be called, then I can understand. Okay, yeah, you know, there's probably no place in hockey for fighting. I mean, when I went, when I played hockey, when you went into the corner, your stick was down on the ice. If if you hit a player or you made contact with somebody and your stick was above the shoulders, whether they had the puck or not, it was high sticking. End of story. You watch the games nowadays, and the guys go into the every. I'll, I'll bet you. Have, well, maybe not 100% of the time, but I'll bet you close to 75% of the time, people, the players go into the corners, everybody's stick is, like, above the glass. Brian, Brian, let's, yeah, okay, a lot of good, but let's just circle back to the fighting thing for a minute there. I mean, you heard what, I don't know if you heard all the Lance Ward interview, but he basically made the point that, to some extent, you have to let the players police themselves, and I think that's the point you're making. And Lance said, when I played in the in the WHL, first shift against the other team's best player, I'm, I'm going to slash him and then see what happens, see how much I'm going to be able to get away with, right? Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I just tuned in when, when you finished with Lance, uh, so 
you know, if I'm repeating anything, I do apologize for that. But yeah, but yeah, it's, I, I that's the concept I feel is, you know, let the players feel themselves out. Uh, you know, you know that. Uh, I mean, even in the days of the Broad Street Bullies, it, you know, like it was a uh, Dave Schultz was not going to start beating the hell out of a body or a Phil Esposito unless they took the first swing. I mean, most of the enforcers of, of that there were, I mean, the, the most the true enforcer now has gone the way of the dodo bird. Well, for and sure. I kind of applaud that because I would rather see an enforcer along the lines of a Bob Prober who, you know, actually had a good set of hands in fighting, but he could he could score too. Yeah. Brian, I got a break for the news, buddy, but thanks for calling, okay? You're welcome. Have a good night. That's Brian, 780-496-0063. We'll get to some texts on this topic, too, when we get back. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. From their epic 1988 album... New Jersey. It's bad medicine by Bon Jovi. You know what, Kellen? I, I I should I should do a I should do an '80s rock show on CJSR on the side, like maybe from two to three in the morning on Wednesdays or something. Uh, I'd hold out for a better time slot, but yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think that's. I think if you're doing an '80s rock show on a university station when none of the stu- when none of the students were born in the 1980s, you'd probably have to be on at two in the morning. Yeah, Plus, it can't conflict with any of my other work. It 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 uh, also, yeah. That <laughs> I'm speechless right now. Yeah, you're just like, why is Wilkins talking to me? It's just leave me out of it. It's such a great idea that it's gone past <laughs> over my head, passed around, uh, you know, Pluto, and now it's heading to where Voyager Two is somewhere in a galaxy, right? So, well, I don't know what Voyager Two is. That was that big satellite that they put up in space that like shot out of our our uh, solar system. <laughs> shot out of our <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. Right, it's Inside right. Sports on 6.30. Chet. Next Eskimos broadcast Friday against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 6 o'clock for the pregame show. It'll be two hours. The game will start at 8. Uh, so we had Lance Ward in there talking a little bit about the, uh, the fighting initiative in the Ontario Hockey League. You get three fighting majors in a season. You get suspended for two games. It used to be ten fighting majors in a season. Yeah, you know, here's here's the thing, and, and Lance kind of made the point that the, the NHL has never really taken a stance on it. Uh, certainly there are fewer fights in the NHL than there used to be. I mean, is this simply what's going to happen? Is that eventually... In the NHL, you'll have it'll be populated by players who have never had to fight because it's been legislated or nearly eliminated out of the junior ranks. So it just won't happen in the NHL because no one knows how to do it or is used to doing it or understands the rules of engagement. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Dave Leppard texting in. He says, uh, Hey, Reed, I'm not a big fan of staged fights like right off the faceoff when you have a fourth liner against a fourth liner. But if someone is slashing McDavid in the wrist and Lucic beats the snot out of him, I will love that. That is from Dave Leppard. This texter says there's a big difference between fighting for entertainment versus for game management. The entertainment fights have no place, but this old ref supports fights keeping players honest. 
So there's a, an old a former referee, I assume a former referee, he calls himself uh, an old ref. I don't know how long it's been since he refed, but saying, you know, sometimes you, you need a fight, and this again goes back to the old argument, there are certain elements to the game of hockey, uh, and Lance said this too, where you have to let the players police themselves. And some of this could relate to the yapping on the ice. I mean, generally, as long as you're not saying anything overly offensive, like Andrew Shaw did in that one game, it's not a penalty to be a little yappy. It's not a penalty to tell a guy where to go, and the ref isn't going to hear some of that stuff. Um, but a player running his mouth like that may have to answer in the fisticuff fashion, and he may not want to do that, or maybe won't be very good at it. And maybe that's going to shut him up the next time if he gets badly beaten up in a fight. You know, it's it's a very interesting debate. It's it's ongoing. It's something. Um, you know, we had Brian calling in who said I think he said he was 55 or 56. I'm 42. There's always been a debate around fighting. Is there too much? Does it serve a purpose? If it serves a purpose, what purpose does it serve? If it is serving a purpose, is that valid enough to keep it in the game? All those kinds of questions. I know for me, as a hockey fan, and while I you know, I cover the NHL, I was a hockey fan before being in the media, and I'm sure I'll be one after uh, I'm in the media, whenever that comes to an end. If you told me, as of right now, that the NHL didn't have fighting, that you know you could fight, but it'd be like a ten-game suspension. So for all intents and purposes, there wouldn't be fighting. Would that me make me less likely to watch it? Well, no, it wouldn't. For me personally, if you told me that the uh, number of goals scored in the NHL in a game was going to decrease from five to two and a half, that might make me less likely to watch it. Quite frankly. But it's interesting with fighting and interesting with Canadians specifically because we see fighting as, you know, almost like a, a birthright in the NHL. It, it makes the game different. It's, it's, a, it's a Canadian thing about the game. It proves toughness. It proves metal. It proves the willingness to put yourself at risk for the good of your, your team. The, all those kinds of things. I, I think it represents something not just primal about the game uh, but you know something that Canadians it doesn't just define hockey that that defines Canadians Be, because there are other sports football most notably that are extremely physical and and I think I hope most of you would agree require a great deal of bravery and courage to play as hockey does you certainly put yourself at risk physically in a football game, just as you would in a hockey game. Football does not have fighting. Now, football does not also not have sticks, which you, you know a lot of the reason, a lot of time, that's why you have fighting is that a guy may be taking liberties with his sticks. But um, you talk about players policing themselves. That doesn't seem to happen in other sports to the same extent in hockey. That the other sports that are, are perhaps equally or even more physical in different ways. Uh, the Big L says, one of the most memorable games I went to was in Hall's rookie season against Minnesota. There were four fights in the first ten minutes. Fighting creates excitement. Please leave it in. That is from the Big L. So, there's an entertainment value to fighting, sure. Uh, but, but again, I guess my question to the Big L would be, what if you they just totally took it out? 
or or you went to a game knowing that the chances of you seeing a fight were minuscule, like absolutely minuscule. Like if you went to all 82 Oilers games in a year, so you traveled with with them, you you might see one fight, might. Would would that less make you less likely to engage with the sport? For me it wouldn't. Maybe for some people it would. It's that ingrained and some people feel it's that necessary that that it would affect their overall enjoyment of the game of hockey, just losing the possibility of there being a fight. And let's face it, even the in the 70s and 80s when there was more fighting, I, I don't think there was a fight every, as absolutely every single game. But I think there's a reality here is is that it's going. It's going. And eventually it'll be almost gone. It may take a while. Like I said, the NHL may just let all the junior leagues weed it out. Or curtail it, I shouldn't say weed it out, because that, you know, sounds like I'm saying it's something bad. But is the NHL just going to sit back and say, we don't have to do anything? We're just going to let the junior leagues curtail it. Players will join our league that don't know how to do it. They don't understand it. And, uh, you know, we'll just sit back. And as Lance Ward said, he tells his kids, you're not going to have to learn how to fight. Would you want your son fighting if that was the only way for him to play hockey at a high level or is the risk too great it is 743 certainly a story that we'll be following we're going to do something a little different this will be fun uh, you're going to get to know Quinn Oler. you've probably seen her on global television we're going to introduce you to her from a different angle as a marathon runner she did the full shebang yesterday 42k that's up next on Inside Sports this is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 747. Dave Campbell has the Eskimo show from 8 to 9 tonight. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. All right, so uh, great day in Edmonton yesterday. The uh, Edmonton Marathon was held in the morning. I ran the half Marathon. Uh, we're going to bring in Quinn Oler from Global Television right away. She ran the full marathon. Uh, I, 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 I just want to. I, I want to play this uh, again. I, I played it earlier. I don't think Quinn would have got to hear it. I, I, I took some audio of myself getting out of bed this morning and walking to the washroom. Ah! Yeah! Ooh! 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 So Quinn, I don't know if that's how you sounded, but I was a little sore today. You know what? I'm out, I'm pretty surprised at how well my legs are doing today. I feel like tomorrow is going to be a lot worse, but I think the best thing is uh, Global Edmonton has these toilets that are a lot higher than normal, so it doesn't hurt the legs nearly as much. Well, first of all, congratulations on uh, running the full marathon. Was this your first one, or where are you at? Yeah, this is my this was my very first one. Um, I'm actually in the middle of training for an ultra marathon in October, so 50k in Canmore. So this is kind of my middle mark of can I actually do even close to this distance? And 
I completed it, which was shocking, but um, to me anyway, a lot of my friends and stuff said, oh yeah, not a problem, whatever, but <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it was it was a neat experience, and to be able to say I've done it now is, is pretty awesome. Well, let me ask you the question a lot of people ask me, and, and I, I did two full marathons, both very poorly, so I think I'll probably stick to halves. I've now done eight of those. Uh, why? Well, what what got you into it? Why do you want to do it? Well, I've been an athlete for quite a while. Well, my entire life, I guess. I was a figure skater for a number of years, and um, I started running when I was actually working in Lethbridge about 10 years ago uh, and did my first half marathon because someone said I couldn't do it. (laughs) Um, And as stubborn as I am, I I was like, well, yeah, okay, whatever. You think I can't do this? I can do it. Um, And I guess this was kind of the same idea, only with the ultra marathon. Um, It was someone said to me, you know, well, you can't do that. Well, let me just prove you wrong. I guess somebody uh, knew me well enough to know how to know how competitive I was, and that yeah, I'd finish it whether I had to crawl across that finish line or not. So. Uh, all right. So, what what was your uh, what was your training like this summer? Like, let people know how often you know you would run and some of the distances you were doing. Well, we did about uh, five to six runs a week. I say we, but I did about five to six runs a week. Um, so it added up to about eighty k a week. I was doing. Um, two days on Tuesdays, so I would actually run before work about 8K and then 8K afterwards, um, a couple of 10Ks and then a couple of 12Ks as well, and then on long runs on the weekend. So it added up. It started at about 20K and then so about a two-hour run, and then made, kind of added on and added on, and I had a bit of an injury. I've been training at the uh, Five Peaks races that are also here in northern Alberta, and trail running so did a couple of those but the last one i was in i i tripped down a hill because i'm the clumsiest human being on earth uh and twisted my ankle so i had to take a couple weeks off so the this was kind of my longest this was my longest run ever but it was had to take about two weekends off before this so it it takes a lot of dedication to be able to do this and you know, some people say, well, you could do it without training, but I no, don't you recommend can't. that for anyone. No, you can't. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, I, I, like I, I'm, I'm kind of like, I guess I would describe myself as a serious casual runner. Like, I commit to it, um, but there are also times I have to curtail it, especially during the winter with my work schedule and stuff. Um, but you, you're, you're, you're really committed to it, so I'm really impressed by that. Um, and, 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 I mean, you know, and I find this too, you're, you kind of... It doesn't consume your life, but you start no, you start planning your social outings and your meals and your sleep schedule around. I do anyway, right? Like you think, oh, I got to run tomorrow, so like this, this, and this, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, it, it's so funny to sit there and go, okay, well, I have to eat quite a few carbs tonight because tomorrow I have to go on a long run, or no, I can't go to this party because I know I'm going to drink if I go there, and <laughs> I really don't want to have to try and do a long run hungover. So it's it it does. You do have to make some sacrifices. I don't know if you would call them sacrifices. Just it, it takes a lot of planning. Um, but if you're if you really want to do it, uh, it, it's definitely worth it. Quinn Oler from Global Television joining us. She ran the Edmonton Marathon yesterday, her first marathon. She's going to do an ultra marathon this fall. How, how did you feel generally yesterday? I mean, were there ever any points where you thought uh, you were never going to do this again? Was there any part of your body that really got a little tired? How was it? <laughs> well, it was so funny. I, I, I said to my, my fiancé was at the start line with me, and I just looked at him, and I'm like, what am I doing? There's no way I'm going to finish this. Uh, there's a couple of points. Um, 
some of the cheer crews and stuff, like, I don't think they realize how big of an impact they have. I had a couple of friends along the route as well. Um, Jen Ferrins actually jumped out and gave me a big high five when I was about the 35K mark, right at that point where I wanted to quit and I didn't want to do it anymore. So it was really good to have that extra motivation and have the crowds there. It, it, it was good. Um, I struggled a little bit with a fueling, or as normal people call it, just eating along the route because you can't, like, <laughs> eat a sandwich or something when you're running. Um, so I struggled with that a little bit, and I don't think I ever want to see a gel for a very long time after yesterday. My my legs were sore by the time I got to the end, and I'm missing a few toenails and <laughs> that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's, there's always that point, I think, in anyone who's running a marathon. You hit that wall, and you just don't want to do it anymore. All right, so when, uh, how many days are you going to give yourself off here? Uh, probably just two, I think, and oh, then wow. I'm going to get back into it. So. <laughs> Jeez, I, I'm not going out again until Saturday, and I only did the half, but uh, I'm going to eat so many potato chips and eat and drink so much beer this week. Uh, That's the best part. You get to eat whatever you want. I had a blizzard for lunch yesterday. Oh, nice. Fantastic. Ice cream. <laughs> uh, all right, and when, sorry, when's the, the 50K? The 50K is Thanksgiving long weekend in Canmore. Okay, well, you have to come back on the show after that because I want to hear how you did and how you're feeling, okay? Okay, sounds good if I'm not dead. Thanks for your time, Quinn. All right, thanks, Reed. That is Quinn Oler checking in tonight from the Global Television Studios. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. That is awesome. She did the uh, full marathon yesterday, her first. Uh, She's going to do 50K. Man, now that's only, quote-unquote, only eight kilometers longer than a full marathon. Those eight kilometers are uh, a long way when you've already done 42. Like, if you were just, if I were to just, like, uh, Kellen, I know I'm not saying this to sound like a braggart or anything, but I've run enough. If you said to me right now I have to go run 8K, I could do it. Okay. Uh, you know, go I'm run 8K. To. Well, I don't, you're not going to do it. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You get Your body gets used to, like, okay, that's not that far. But right. if you've already gone 42 and then you have eight left, that feels like a lot longer. It's called going over the top. But great stuff for Quinn. Well, that's cool stuff. Uh, it's it's funny, too. I mean, you can go on the marathon site and look at people's sites. So, like, people are tweeting me my time. Like, okay, thanks. <laughs> As if I didn't know that <laughs> but, already. You know, I knew my time. My time's nothing to be impressed about, uh, trust me. But, uh, it, no, it is cool. Uh, it's cool to get the support and uh, awesome stuff for Quinn Oler and everybody else who finished whatever distance you did yesterday. Good for you. Just getting to the starting line is a big deal, and then actually finishing is really cool as well. Are we winding down already, Kellen? It's time that's, to go. That's it today. An abbreviated edition of Inside Sports. Dave Campbell is up next with the Eskimo Show. Besides Quinn Oler, tonight you heard from Lance Ward, former NHL defenseman Peter Ogilvie and Lorianne Munzer, former NHL or former uh, Summer Olympians Angela Colcott as well was at the games in Rio. The producer of the show, Dave Campbell, the studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. Here's what's going on tomorrow night. Wow, this is too good to be true. Sportsnet's Gene Principe in studio. Oh boy. He's just going to make up puns for the entire hour. For the entire hour. Here's the thing. You just tweet me something you want him to pun about, and he'll come up with a pun on the spot. Coming up to the 8 o'clock news. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Dave's next with the Eskimo Show.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.